0: welcome back again listeners i'm sam basquez and this this is fall risk thank you for tuning into another episode of fall risk where we talk about anything and everything skydiving i am sam basquez your host Today, we are talking with a dear friend of mine, someone I've known since my very first season in skydiving, the absolute badass, Kristen Cotton. Say hello, everyone, Kristen. Hi. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Uh, So Kristen was one of my very first friends in skydiving. We've known each other for almost 14 years now. We've worked together. We've been on the same, like we were on the same first four-way team together way back in the day with uh, Stevie Kane and... um, Oh my God, I forgot about that. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> we made a whole bunch of stickers together in Paris. They're on everyone's helmets these days, like in our area. It's fantastic. Like tons of memories. She is far and away one of the funniest, like most savage, hilariously sarcastic people I know. She's great. For now though, I would love it if you told us about yourself, Kristen, and like, just tell us all the, all the details about your history in the sport, like how you got started. Oh gosh,
1: that is a huge question. Um, So I started skydiving in September of 2009. I think I was supposed to go earlier that summer, but all of my friends had booked their tandem and done it while I was out of the country. So I honestly, I was just bored one weekend. I called up the drop zone and I'm pretty sure I talked to Dave Digidio and he was like, so do you want to do a tandem or do you want to do the student program? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. So tell me about it. And somehow he talked me into signing up for ground school. So (laughs) I showed up the next day, Sunday, did my four or five hour ground school, made my first jump and they filled out a logbook at the end. And that's where I realized like, oh, people do this more than once. Mm -hmm. Look at all these blank lines. Like clearly I need to fill it. So signed up again, did my second jump the the same day and the rest is history.
0: (laughs) That is super cool. So you never even did a tandem? Like you never did a first tandem?
1: I did not. Nope.
0: Wow. My first tandem,
1: I think was, uh, the one I was required to do to get my rating. Oh, damn. You didn't even do like a bunch of front rides either. Like for, wow. Nope. No, I hardcore resisted.
0: I did not (laughs) want to do a tandem. And then I I had to, (laughs) So what made you, you like elaborate a little bit more on what made you want to get into jumping? Like, how did you make that initial decision to begin with?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I think I've always generally been interested in aviation. I was actually a pilot before I started skydiving. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I kind of stumbled into aviation and skydiving, I guess, during a really like challenging time of my life. I started flying shortly after my stepdad died. Um, got my private pilot license and then skydiving just seemed to be a natural progression from that. So a lot of it was very similar. I figured I, I know
0: how to fly planes, so I might as well learn how to jump out of them too. Okay. No, that's, that's a fun, that's a fun way to look at it. Um, so like, there's always, there's always a moment where, I mean, obviously you make the decision to start skydiving or do your first jump, but there's also a moment later on in your progression where you realize like, this is for me. Like, do you remember when that happened? for you? Or is it just always been like a consistent, like, I'm just, it's just something I do, you know?
1: I think what really attracted me was obviously like people jump out of planes for the excitement, the rush, the adrenaline, but I think I was just wowed by the sense of community I saw when I showed up. I mean, Skydive Twin Cities, as you know, is a really special place. Um, It's, they've got their own private grass runway, their own Mm -hmm. little trailer park. And I just never really seen anything like that like general aviation has its own little community like small airport fbo's people come hang out in the morning and drink coffee and the skydiving community is just something really different like the bonfires at the end of the day the people that you meet it's just Mm -hmm. really really unique that yeah i guess i i started skydiving because i i wanted to jump and i stayed in skydiving because of all the people that i met
0: yeah no that's fair um Dinger just explained it in a way that was super funny. Uh, she's like, we're all these lost little kids trying to find our tribe. <laughs> like, oh, totally. Like Island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> yeah, right. that's that's the phrase she used was Island of Misfit Toys. Did you mention in that little opening spiel about how many jumps you have these days?
1: I did not. Oh, gosh. gosh you, know. you know, I logged religiously for a while. And to be honest, I haven't logged in <laughs> I probably have somewhere between
0: 4,000 and
1: 4,500.
0: Okay. That's awesome. How's that feel? It's cool. I mean, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I don't know. At a certain point, I feel like it stops mattering, you know? Yeah. yeah
1: I mean, as soon as I stopped logging, it was like, I have no idea. Like, I'm like, <laughs> eh, it, it doesn't matter anymore. It was cool for a while. You're like, oh, I reached 100 and then 200.
0: And now mm-hmm. it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I get you. So you've been jumping for like 14 years. Do you remember your first skydive?
1: I remember pieces of it. I remember, I remember getting on the plane. I remember being in
0: the door and then
1: that's about it. I remember I landed and, uh, I think Miles is my, 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 my instructor, Miles and Dan Fees, And he was like, so tell me what you remember. I'm like, I jumped and now I'm here. And he's like, (laughs) what about the in-between? I'm like, No clue. It
0: happened. It was windy. That's about it. (laughs) I bet you Miles loved that explanation. (laughs) What do you, like, do you recall specifics about like getting out of the plane? Like, what do you, what do you think was like one of those first things that really like imprinted it on your brain in terms of like skydiving? What was, what was the, one of the first things that left a mark on you? Like, for example, I have one. I have one really clear memory of Gino on one of my tandems. Like, so my well, my first tandems were with Byron, right? Um, he, there was one where he got me up to the edge of the edge of the plane and Gino did like a backflip out of the plane. And I remember watching it, like watching Gino leave from the front, like from strapped into the front of Byron and thinking like that is the coolest shit I think I've ever seen. I don't remember anything else about that jump, but that sticks in my brain. Like that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. So I'm curious, like, do you have anything like that, that sticks out like as being like kind of a core memory <laughs> kind of thing, um, from your early days of skydiving?
1: That's a good question. You know, uh, I can't say that I have any remember any anything like that where I'm like, that was fucking awesome. If I had to say one thing that I remember from like my first few jumps is that I was struck by how peaceful it was. And I guess you could say the same thing about base jumping is I was struck by like that sense of calm too. And I I didn't really expect that. I think we have so much going on in our day-to-day lives where our thoughts are everywhere and it's hard to be present and focused. But I'd say for like that 60 seconds or that minute in the sky, like nothing else matters and there's nothing else you're thinking about. And that I guess is really mm-hmm. unique.
0: It's pretty. Uh, So there's a, there was a guy, his name's Ty Baird and he, he summed that up in a really like that sam- summed up that same sentiment in a very, very specific way. He's basically like, it's very primal. It's like animal instinct where like you get out and you're only focused on that one thing. Like everything else just melts away. I've always really, really liked that same type of sentiment. Um, to describe to describe skydiving so that's super cool. Do you have any instructor ratings?
1: I do. <laughs> I am an AFF instructor and a tandem instructor.
0: And you shoot video. It's not really a rating, but you yep. shoot video too. Right? Yep. What's that like?
1: <laughs> Being an instructor? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So I never thought I wanted to be an instructor. I like I'm I'm a super introverted person. I'm generally pretty quiet unless you know me. And so, the idea of having to talk to strangers, if you would have told me when I started skydiving that this, like, I was going to make a career out of it, I would have laughed in your face. Especially being a tandem instructor. I never thought I would be a tandem instructor, never thought I would enjoy it. Like, the idea of talking, like, teaching ground school in front of groups of people terrified me, but I love it. Like, it was one of the best periods of my life ever, which. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, it's So it's, it's super cool to hear you say that or hear, hear you talk about it like that. What made you like, when, when did you get your AFF rating? Like what made you want to do it?
1: Uh, so I got my AFF rating when I was in Dubai, I spent the first season there working in manifest and it was a goal of mine. I think since I got there, like I knew that I wanted, I wanted to teach AFF. Mm-hmm. Um, so toward the end of the first season, like right before summer, um, I went through I went through the course with my my boss and a couple of the other instructors there, got my rating just before I went home for the summer and then when I came back in the fall, I started working time. okay. It was an awesome experience. I think they do AFF, I mean, I got to be just a full-time AFF instructor, which I think is quite quite rare for the industry. Um, And then I also was mentored by two of the most senior AFFIs there. So I had like coaching and video debrief on how I was doing as an instructor for at least the first 100, 150 AFF jumps that I did. So yeah, yeah, really remarkable opportunity to, I mean, also very scary to be teaching people like as a brand new instructor, and then knowing that your Mm -hmm. boss and mentor is videoing you and critiquing you at the same time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is, I mean, that's awesome because think about how much you learn, you know, in just that short amount of time. I mean, if you're working as a full-time AFF instructor, like that hundred jumps probably happens in like, what, a a month, two months, you know? like. (laughs) So it's a short amount of time, but what an opportunity to like excel, you know, like excel so quickly.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I joke now that how I teach AFF is this combination of like, uh, Romanian and English. My, one of my mentors was a (laughs) Romanian and then the other was Jane from England. So a lot of my briefings have components of there components of hers and a lot of like very British, British sayings or British phrases. Uh
0: Do you say it in the accent too? If you're not, I mean, I
1: used to say (laughs) altimeter.
0: That's awesome. So who did you do your rating your, your AFF uh, course through Or, or under, I guess. Who who did you do it under?
1: Oh, like my examiner? Yeah. Uh, Raul Bocanegra was the old manager of the Skydive Dubai Desert Drop Zone and my boss. I don't
0: know that name at all, but now I'm going to look it up. That's pretty rad. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, So about your tandem rating then, like same question about your tandem rating. Uh, When did you get it? Why did you get it? What was the motivation there?
1: Oh, gosh. Let me think. So I got my tandem rating... I want to say summer of 2016. Um, I think I had seen the skydive Dubai, the palm drop zone had tons of female instructors. Um, obviously being in the middle East, they have a lot of demand for women who want to jump with other women. So I saw some of them and how successful they were and thought, you know, if they can do it, I can, I can do it too. So, um, I got my rating with, uh, Pablo Perizzoli, I went through the course with him and Matt Gagne.
0: So which one's harder? Which one's more difficult, you think? Tandems or AFF?
1: Ooh, that, ooh.
0: Or at least to begin with, which one was harder? Which one was harder to begin with? Like now it's like, whatever. But uh, I'm curious, like which one did you struggle with more? I
1: think, honestly, I'd say like tandems gave me more trouble in the beginning just because like everything was so different. Like AFF, I already knew how to fly from doing a lot of four way and a lot of belly, and just a lot of tunnel tandems. I think it's just different. All of yeah. it is just different. And then being on the smaller side, like five foot three and 130 pounds, like a lot of stuff that works for like my male counterparts yeah. doesn't really work at all for me. So you kind of have to figure out your own technique and learn from people who are built like you.
0: Of the people that you worked with at that time, who were your mentors in terms of, tan- like, in terms of tandem instructors? So who gave you all your little tricks and your, you know, that kind of thing? Because I'm, I'm curious, like, from my perspective, because we're so much shorter and because we're so much smaller as TIs, like, we had a lot of people that just spewed information at us. And, and we're like, just do it like this. And, I, and from our perspective, it's like, it doesn't work. Like, I'm 5'3", man. Like, that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, like... <laughs> Like, so the real MVPs were those other TIs that really, like, went out of their way and, like, show us tricks that would work for us. You know, so yeah. I'm curious, like, who who filled that role for you? Like, who was it? Like, was it more than one person?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I'll say, uh, like, making me who, that like, the tandem instructor that I was was definitely a team effort. And I would give credit to... The the staff I worked with at Skydive San Diego, like they were mm-hmm. all phenomenal. Um, Dustin, I he did my front rides with me when I had to get current when I came back to the States. JT, he was the chief instructor at Skydive San Diego. He was a huge mentor for me. Um, Felipe, I learned my flare technique from him. Like Felipe's um, not a big dude. He's mm-hmm. taller than I am, but he had impeccable technique and timing for his flares and see watching him land and seeing how he flared and how, you know, he, he can't just like pull straight down and flare like yeah. a huge 180 pound, six foot dude. And mm-hmm. so seeing him do that in action really like cemented it like, hey, like that's what I need to do. And I figured that's how I figured out how to get my flare down and my flare timing correct. And just everyone at that drop zone was super supportive like all my landings they're like hey I noticed this um, try this and it was all spot-on solid advice so they gave me an environment where it was okay to be new and it was okay to like you know I'm I'm gonna have mistakes I'm gonna do things not quite perfect but instead of like being like hey that's like that's fucked up why'd you do that it was like hey this is how you can be better
0: that's awesome <clears throat> Um, because I feel like I mean so many people that want to just tell you what to do. You know, like there's so many people that say you should do it like this because this is how I do it and this is the right way to do it. But the fact of the matter is in a lot of situations that it it requires us to do things in a a very different way than the typical six-foot instructor. And I don't know if people realize how much different it is. And it's super cool to have singular people who go like the extra mile to really help you figure out what works for you. You know, it's very cool.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: What's your current wing like? What's, uh, what, what you rocking these days?
1: So I have Luke's old Velo 84, um, in my sport rig. And then I've got an Epicene 116 in my wingsuit rig.
0: How do you like the Velo?
1: Uh, it's fun. It's good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still like baby swooper, learning to swoop. I'm, I've got my nineties down. I'm working on two seventies, but okay. it's been a minute since I've jumped.
0: How far do you want to go with swooping? Is it like just for fun or competition style stuff? Like
1: Oh, absolutely not. I do not need to be a competitive <laughs> swooper. Nah, it's just for fun.
0: <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Do you have any other hobbies outside of skydiving besides, you know, besides jumping?
1: So I'm trying to get back into flying. Um, now that I've been in a place for a minute. Hmm. Um, we move a bit for the army, so I am going to try to get current again. I reached out to a flight school a few weeks ago and there's a flying club here that has a Cetabria So I'm pretty stoked to fly that. I learned how to fly in a Cetabria, It's a tailwheel airplane. Um, super fun. Uh, what else do I do? I mean, we're kind of limited being in Kansas. It's so flat. If I live somewhere with some <laughs> terrain, I'd probably want to speed fly or paraglide. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started working on that when I was in France a few years ago, but I haven't finished. Um, okay. I got really into powerlifting when I was in Alabama. So that's been really fun.
0: It seems like you're coming along. I, I kind of, I, I don't want to say stock, but I see your, <laughs> your, uh, <laughs> your IG stories, you know, like your Instagram stories and your Instagram posts and stuff. Like, it seems like you're really super into the powerlifting stuff still.
1: Yeah. It's been fun. It's been nice to, have goals and have like something that you can work toward beating, mm-hmm. like like new PRs and whatnot. <laughs> Lifting has been a journey in of itself, I think. <laughs> I think I told you, but I, so I broke my wrist in Italy uh, in 2016 and went got it checked out at the hospital. They are like, no, you're fine. It still hurt really bad. So I went back two weeks later and they're like, no, you're fine, it's just a sprain, go home. And so I just like let that ride for two and a half years and then yeah. finally had like a really bad bench press day in Alabama and was like, my wrist is not right. Went and got it x-rayed and they're like, Hey, so you've had a fracture and it's kind of old. It's been there for a while. I'm like, Oh yeah, probably two and a half years. Yeah. So I think in the span of that year, I had a wrist surgery and then I ended up breaking my fingers. So I had finger surgery and mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's been a roller coaster.
0: I remember <laughs> you sent me that photo of your wrist with the pin sticking out, and I was like, well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, oh, God.
0: Well, I like, they didn't even out. tell me.
1: <laughs> like, didn't even tell me, like, by the way, we left this metal, like, this metal pin in your wrist. Yeah. And so, like, I'm, like, my, like, obviously, like, your casket's pretty itchy. So I'm, like, itching, mm-hmm. and I'm, like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And then, like, when they I go to get it changed, I'm, like, oh, that was, like, metal. I, That's awesome. Makes
0: make sense now. Checks out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, medicine. All right. <laughs> um, moving on because I feel like I might pass out talking about it. Now that I'm like thinking about what that picture was like. <laughs> Sorry, I might, it's all right. <laughs> I, I brought it up. It's my own fault. Um, so you also base jump, right? You're also yeah. somewhat. I would. Per, is prolific the right word? Prolific. I feel like, no.
1: Nah, I would no, not. Okay. I'm not a prolific base jumper. <laughs> okay. No.
0: Um, you've been you've been base jumping for a long time though, right?
1: Uh, I think I did my first jump in 2013. Long time then. Sure. <laughs>
0: Almost 10 years now.
1: Oh, weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was your uh What was your first base jump like? Um, what made you decide you wanted to do it?
1: Oh gosh. Yeah. So.
0: I did my first, I did my first jump at the, at the bridge
1: in Twin okay. Falls. I don't know. I mean, the sport, like that sport has always intrigued me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I have a, like, this is why I did it moment. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I ended up, I did my, I did a first base course with Sean Chuma at the bridge in 2013 while I was home from Dubai for the summer. Okay. Um, and it was another one of those things where I, I knew I wanted to try it and when I climbed over the railing, I was struck by, again, that sense of calm or that sense Mm -hmm. of peace that I absolutely did not expect when jumping from a bridge. (laughs) Um, Again, I I think it's you, like people are attracted to base for obvious reasons. Like it's intriguing, it's sexy, it's Mm -hmm. mysterious. It's got that adrenaline rush. But for me, it's, the the people that I met in the sport like some of the most truly genuine like down-to-earth most amazing people it's like Mm -hmm. skydiving but like that fringe like
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like even I don't even know how to describe it
0: that 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 term you just use the fringe you know like it's like skydiving but it's that fringe I feel like that's a good way to to sum it up I I I really know nothing about base jumping other than what other people tell me. I've never done it. I don't really have any desire to try it, you know. So this is all – it's all very interesting to me to hear people really describe it in detail. From my perspective, like the phrase you just used, though, skydiving but the fringe, that seems like it's a really accurate way to describe the base community.
1: Yeah, like – so I who I can't remember who I was talking to. It might have been I, – when I went out to – um i got to jump from the croatian bridge with a bunch of students when it was their first jump Mm -hmm. and the way one of them described it to his girlfriend he was like candace it's like you're like standing in your underwear with a bunch of people that you just met and you jump (laughs) off the bridge and like now you're not strangers anymore you're like best friends because you've shared this yeah like super deep moment with these people Mm -hmm. that you can't possibly like it yeah it's really unique
0: and that's different from skydiving too you know especially from like a bigger drop zone you know or not from like a club club standpoint like Mm -hmm. from what you're describing at least it sounds like it's a different type of connection you know it's not something I like I said it's not something I'm familiar with so it's it's super cool to hear you talk about it like this base jumping takes you everywhere though I would and you correct me if I'm wrong Cause you have more, you have more knowledge than I do. Base jumping takes you to more places than skydiving does. I would say like travel wise.
1: Me personally, maybe, but I don't think that has to be the case across the board. You know, there's drop zones all over the world. And I know people who, who travel internationally for Mm -hmm. like different events, different boogies. So I wouldn't say it's exclusive to base. I think base can definitely take you to more remote or maybe less traveled places. But mm-hmm. like the boogie scene in Europe in the summer is pretty big. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, I guess I've always heard, I mean, at least the local base jumpers around this area, you know, it's, it seems like their big aspiration is always just to go to Europe, you know, like someday mm-hmm. I want to go to Europe someday. I want to, and I don't really know where the, the big places are. Other than like maybe Norway, I guess. I, this is, mm-hmm. this is how absolutely limited my knowledge is. <laughs> I mean, about base jumping.
1: Europe. <laughs> Right.
0: Uh, but I always hear people talking about, like, I want to go to Europe. I want to go to Italy. I want to go to these these places, right? And it seems like base jumping, when people commit to it and really throw themselves at it, it takes them to places they wouldn't normally go with just skydiving. Okay, Yeah, I would agree with you know? that. Okay, Sure. Yeah, that could okay. be accurate. Where are the big places to go in not in the U.S.?
1: <laughs> I mean, certainly if you want to jump, like, big huge terminal walls like Europe is the place for that like Norway Norway is famous mm-hmm. uh Italy like Brento very famous um also very busy uh the valley like Lauterbrunnen, like all very well-known legal places to base jump from in Europe
0: have you ever are there any other big locations around the world that people like like to kind of flock to Uh, for base jumping or is it really, is like Europe really like the big, the big, like kind of,
1: I mean, I think it kind of depends on like what you want to jump. Like if you like, uh, Malaysia, like KL tower, they, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they still do it. Um, I think they do. They have an event in the fall where you can jump from the KL tower for a period of time. Um, I mean, there's places to jump all over the world. Yeah, like even, I mean, even in Dubai, like just north of Dubai and Rasul Khaimah, there's big wingsuit jumps there, um, okay. Oman, mm-hmm. but I don't know that people flock there, I guess.
0: That kind of prompts my next question is, where's the coolest place you've ever base jumped? Like, where would you, if you, if you had any amount of money to go, to go someplace to base jump, where would you go? Like no oh, limitations, gosh. right? Where would you go? Where, where was your... Okay, that's two like different where, questions. Actually, wait, where that's two would different go, questions. Or where yeah, have so I that's been? Yeah, that's two different questions. Where's the coolest place you've been and where would you go back to? Or what would you, where not where would you go back? Two different questions. Where where's the coolest place you've ever base jumped from in your opinion? And if you had no limitations in terms of money, like time, where would you want to go to go base jump?
1: I think one of the coolest places that I've base jumped personally has been um, Jebel Shams in Oman. It's like Oman's version of the Grand Canyon. It's
0: okay. I'm going to look at while you're talking about it.
1: Yeah. So I, I had the opportunity to explore that area when I was dating Graham and to my knowledge, no one had jumped that, that Canyon before. So I got to be there for some of his, well, his first wingsuit jumps in that area. So he opened several exits and then I got to open an exit of my own. I did not wingsuit it. I did a PCA. It, um, you definitely could have wingsuited the spot that I jumped, but it was just one of the most beautiful remote places that I'd ever been. Um, I got to land like in this canyon and then we walked out together. It like absolutely amazing like knowing that you've gotten to jump somewhere where nobody else has has jumped before was something really special
0: that's pretty cool i'm looking at photos of it right now on google images it's kind of deserty right yeah uh,
1: very (laughs) deserty yeah very very very
0: steep very steep uh canyons very yeah you're right like just like the grand canyon (laughs) (laughs) that's super cool and so like there's just not a lot of people that have jumped that yeah
1: yeah, at the time when we when we were out there, I think it was only
0: Graham wingsuiting it.
1: Um, people have jumped it since, but he he kind of pioneered that area, opening up those exits. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, really remote, no cell service, maybe not the safest, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> very unique experience though. So second part of that question: if you could go anywhere and base jump. Or I guess anywhere in skydive for that matter, too, as well. Where would you want to go if you didn't have limitations on time and money?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, New Zealand has always been on my list. I have never been there. I would love to go there, like skydiving or base jumping. I think the base Mm -hmm. mission's there. There is base jumping there, but it's it's a bit of a mission, like some really big hikes. But, yeah, I'd love to go to New Zealand, spend a few months there, and just, like, cruise around in a van, do air activities.
0: Yeah, right? Sounds like the life. (laughs) in skydiving what's your favorite discipline what do you like doing the most
1: I mean lately lately it's been either trying to like improve my swoops or uh I've been I've been trying to wingsuit a bit more um so I'd say those those are my two focuses right now
0: do you um (laughs) speaking of wingsuit it's just popped up into my head do you remember when we were at Paris and there was a there was a jumper. I'm not gonna name names, but there was a jumper who asked you if you're like, hey, like, do you guys want to do a rodeo, like a wingsuit rodeo? And your response to him was like, <laughs> I I
1: remember who you're talking about. I do not remember what I said. I'm guessing oh. it was probably like, fuck no. The-
0: yeah, it was uh, it was very much a, like. Well, I have my own wingsuit, so no, thank you. <laughs> yeah,
1: <that's laughs> it was accurate. very much a.
0: It's very much a. Nah, I rock my own wingsuit. I'm good, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely don't need funny. a ride on yours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <is very> <laughs> anyway, that just popped into my brain when you said wingsuit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So so you're you're a big wingsuiter. I remember, man, way back in the day when you first started doing wingsuit wingsuit jumps. Like, did you? start doing them at STC or was that something that you picked up in Arizona?
1: Or? Um, I did my first wingsuit jumps in Arizona. I think okay. I did like a, like a basic course with a guy named Kay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't have my own suit until I got to Dubai. I didn't my wingsuit progression is very special. Uh, <laughs> Graham, Graham was my mentor. So okay. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I did a few jumps in a T-Bird that I had bought from another fun jumper at the drop zone. And then I think uh, quickly went to a scorpion, which I do not recommend. Um,
0: again, the, like wings. What's the difference between those two? Those two Again, wingsuiting. Oh, right. Not interested in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like uh-huh. I've had too many bad experiences with wingsuits. Not interested in pursuing it farther than I have. So I don't really know what the difference, and I would say, I would, I would argue a vast majority of people probably listening to this also okay, don't know the differences. So if you would not, if you don't mind taking a couple of seconds to just explain what the differences are between the two, like the different, uh, wingsuits you're about to talk about.
1: Please. Yeah. So a T-bird is like a smaller suit, uh, uh, made by Tony suit. It's a, it's a good, like beginner suit, good intro suit. I started jumping a scorpion, which people were using kind of as a race suit at at that time. It's mm-hmm. a bit bigger. It's cut to be a little bit faster. Uh, the jump from a T bird to a scorpion is maybe. I mean, it wasn't impossible, but I could have been smarter about it. We'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I think the problem is like when you're when you're a working skydiver and you have a lot of jumps and you have friends who are also like professional skydivers jumpers is that they're like oh you have thousands of jumps you're fine like just go out and huck it and you're like no but I actually like want to learn and get coaching and like it's like progress appropriately but when you're a full-time jumper you don't always have the luxury of paying for coaching And you kind of mm-hmm. just get to do your fun jumps whenever there's space on the load or at the end of the day so I think it's harder sometimes to like have proper like scheduled progression unless you like take your day off and you're like hey I'm gonna come and and get coaching but even then Mm -hmm. because you're not a a full paying customer oftentimes you get bumped and so my my progression was a little bit just like hey go try stuff which is a totally fair like Mm -hmm. thing to do but Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely (laughs) had some scary moments
0: that's the look on your face and you're like that's totally a fair thing to do (laughs) Very funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 laughing at yeah. the facial expression you just made. <laughs> yeah. Well, I
1: think it was actually Micah Couch who told me like, what you need to do, Kristen, is just like go out and like get in like the most weird positions and like angles and whatever, and then learn how to recover from that. And like, yeah, solid advice, but mm-hmm. like, I'm not Micah Couch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I can do all that. It just might not be as pretty.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, Solid advice, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but coming from you know one of the w- world's best wingsuiters, like <laughs> cool. Where do you want to go with wingsuiting? Like, are there any immediate goals?
1: Right now, it's mostly just been fun to like. I don't I don't instruct full time anymore, so it's been really nice to go to a drop zone and be like, there's no way you can ask me to work. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. here to have fun and. <laughs> Yeah. So I just, I don't know. Um, just want to have fun flying with my friends, like okay. getting better fun stuff in the sky. <laughs>
0: cool. Um, of all your jumps, of all 4,500 of your jumps, which one is your favorite? Does, is there my one that favorite? sticks out?
1: Let's see. The one that, so the one that I'm like remembering right now, I don't think I was the instructor. Who was it? it was at skydive paris the i i I was filming video for her she was a deaf student her name was antonia and i just like she was the most excited like Mm -hmm. most stoked person i've ever seen like on the ground in the plane in free fall and i just felt so privileged that i got to film her and share that moment with her i like I can't. I yeah. I can't even describe it. I think I have a photo somewhere. But she's, I think, the most memorable tandem student mm-hmm. that I've gotten to jump with. That's um, super cool. Yeah. Let me think for students. That's a hard question. I'm gonna have to come back to that. <laughs> okay.
0: I mean, I know my favorite jump. You were on. Well, you were in the plane at least.
1: <laughs> I oh told no. I was gonna bring
0: this up. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, this is very much a learning po- a learning podcast. We're learning more about Kristen, and you're about to learn exactly
1: <laughs> how oh, savage me. she is. <laughs> you know, but to be fair, I think this is warranted.
0: <laughs> it totally was, but that's, that's not the point. <laughs> so, Kristen, I'm just like real quick. We're just gonna take a couple minutes to explain this. So Kristen and I worked at Paris in the winter of 2016 to 2017 together, right? We were both doing TANAs, both doing AFF, like the works. Um, One day in January, Chris Evans walks into the into the front lobby to make a skydive for an interview. Um, It's like Captain America, Chris Evans in the in the front lobby. I freaked out because I'm a huge Marvel fan. I had to run back and tell everybody. I was like, pretty sure it's Captain America in the front room. Called my sister, told her what was going on. They came I out. They said, "You knew
1: who that was."
0: Yeah, right. I think you even looked at me. And you're like, okay, like who? And I had to show you like on my phone. It's this person. Um... <laughs> They came out, the managers, Joe, Joe, the manager came out and was like, hey, you're going to take him on a skydive. I was like, okay, this is intense. This is a lot. And uh, basically from the moment I met him, I, I'm total, I don't tell this part of the story ever because it makes me look like a total tool, (laughs) but uh, I basically just would not stop dropping terrible jokes (laughs) from like the moment I met him to the time it was done, or at least until the time Kristen called me out on it. (laughs) yeah we were we were in the plane (laughs) and it was like it was like me in the very back of the plane across the way from Paul who was taking the interviewer on on the jump uh, or on on his tandem and then it was me and it was Captain America I'm just gonna refer to him as Captain America it was (laughs) me Captain America and then Kristen (laughs) on the other side because Kristen was filming the interviewer and Baxter was filming us so we sat across the across the way from each other and I I I dropped a joke. This happens to be my favorite joke in skydiving too as well. Just so oh. you know, I dropped this joke and then Chris, it was, what was it? It was, oh, it's got its ups and downs or something. He said something about how it was like this, right? Like that was the joke, right? Yeah. Like it, was, it was Yeah, like, yeah it so was,
1: how how is it being an instructor? Yeah. Like, I was like, was oh, it's,
0: it's got its ups and downs, right? It's my favorite joke to, to say because some people get it and some people don't. And then Kristen, without fucking missing a beat, <laughs> just leans around captain america and says sam you're on fire with these jokes today (laughs) she's like (laughs) if i hadn't been wearing my helmet you would have seen how absolutely beet red my face was my ears got hot because i was embarrassed (laughs) and then i just i stopped dropping jokes after that it was very much warranted i was making a total ass out of myself
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember I was like, she's not stopping. Oh yeah.
0: Yep. Like I'm I'm on a I'm on a whole nother planet right now. <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was the time Kristen at the time Kristen Johnson cock blocked me from Captain America. So
1: I did not. It was like <laughs> no <laughs> I just made an offhanded comment.
0: (laughs) And other other times we've talked about this, Kristen's been like, you had no chance. I'm like, no chance. (laughs) So is it
1: really cosplay?
0: (laughs) None of that is not true. It's just funny to rehash it and tell people about this story through this lens. It's great. (laughs) Anyway, it's way funnier when we're both present, too, to talk about this. It's not as funny for me to, like, say it that way to someone who doesn't know, so or does, has never met <laughs> you or, or not having you around. So it's it's always a lot more fun to, like, tell the story together at the same time. <laughs> anyway, it's my favorite jump, far and away, favorite jump, despite the fact that I made myself an ass. Had See, to bring it up on I'm this I'm glad story. that
1: I didn't ruin this memory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, like, realistically, come on. I'm like...
1: I just feel like I've enhanced it. I've
0: given you a oh, great yeah. story now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, never going to meet him again, so who fucking cares, right? Like, whatever. <laughs> like, we can say whatever we want. Like, no big deal. But, uh, yeah, I made it to a last ass out of myself, and Kristen really cemented it. <laughs> Core memory. Core memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Anyway, we'll come back to it. If you think of something for for yourself, you know, like in terms of what your favorite jump would would have been, um, you know, across the board, like pop, like tell me about it. Right to switch though, or to like turn it on its head, uh, what? This is like the question all the woofos want to know. This oh, is like dear. the the most common question I think I get asked as a TI or as an Where instructor. Where your is, are? Well, <laughs> no, okay, second. <laughs> second most common question that we get asked (laughs) that's really right where's my goggles this is definitely the the most common um like what what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you skydiving like I'm curious I'm curious like what that was my impression of a woofo. by the way um uh what which one which jumps like you're like that stands out as something like from from my perspective it's more about a learning experience right like something scary happened to you you learned a lot from it right like what jump What's one that sticks out if you're, if you're okay with talking about it, if you're not okay with talking about it, that's okay too. And we can just move on.
1: Let me think. Uh, I mean, I've had a few students that have been definitely scary. Let me think. Uh, Oh gosh. And there's even video of this one. So this is back from like my early AFF instructor days when I was still, I was getting filmed by my mentor Mm -hmm. and I had a, student I forget where he was from he might have been from like Pakistan or Qatar I'm not sure Mm -hmm. but English was not his first language he spoke very very limited English so I mean that presents a whole nother challenge like teaching Mm -hmm. AFF in the Middle East when I'm not an Arabic speaker so a lot of it is either taught through charades or Mm -hmm. we, we did have a translator that we could borrow to I like bring in to make sure that they understood like core safety concepts. But it still is again that's a whole nother like. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> we were jumping from the caravan and I was in the back of the door and he climbed out and he was he was a big dude, um, mm-hmm. much taller than I was, and he I think was struck by like the the feel of the prop blast because he this is his first jump with the single instructor, so he didn't have somebody else kind of blocking the wind for him Mm -hmm. and he climbed out and then just started like backing up toward the door. And I was pretty new. So I didn't like, I didn't hold my space well enough. And so he ended up like backing up. I eventually just had the bar by one hand and then he gives the count, doesn't go, gives the count again, doesn't go. And then eventually just sort of melts off the plane. And then as Mm -hmm. he's leaving, tries to grab at the floor and i thought from what it looked like from my perspective that he could have hit his chin yeah and <clears throat> so i lose my grip on him he starts spinning um mm-hmm. forever and it had been a while i i couldn't catch him he wasn't pulling and like i just remember being like i don't even remember like like thinking in my head like did I did we cover everything like why haven't you deployed yet like we've discussed this and yeah. yeah I just I remember landing and like wanting to throw like he ended up deploying eventually he landed off was fine like essentially an uneventful skydive aside from some shitty freefall mm-hmm. and a shitty exit but I just remember like in the landing area like wanting to puke because I second guessed like Like, did I cover everything? Was there anything that I missed? I never, ever wanted to have that feeling again. Mm -hmm. That was there, like, did I appropriately prepare the student and what could I have done better?
0: Man, it sucks being in that situation. I feel like at some point, if you do it long enough, every AFF instructor, every tandem instructor has a moment like this, you know, your stomach drops out and you're like, did I do everything I was supposed to do? You know, makes you want to quit makes you be like what the fuck did I do wrong am I really cut out for this you know
1: and like there is a balance too between like making sure that you like convey the seriousness of what like what is going on but I mean you also don't want to scare your students like it's supposed to be fun you don't want to be like you but you could die doing this Mm -hmm. every time that you brief them but yeah it's an awful feeling to have in the back of your head like could we have gone over like the landing pattern better. Like, why aren't she, mm-hmm. why aren't you responding on the radio? Like, why aren't you flying what we talked about? Like, did I not, did I not teach it clearly? Did you not understand? Did I, like, mm-hmm. it's awful.
0: I've been there like, man, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> it's a, it's an awful feeling to have to like go through in real time when it's happening in front of you. And then after the fact, like you're you're still the instructor, you know, so like when you go and debrief that student, you still have to sh- somehow shove that shit aside and still be their instructor to the best of your ability, even though, you know, like there's there was room for improvement on everyone's part. You are doubting your own skills. You still have to put that that face on and go and and deal with the student. That's one of the harder things, I think, about being an instructor in such an extreme sport like this. You know, it's
1: really hard it's... not to take it personally. Like mm-hmm. you, I feel like you want to take responsibility for. Like, I want yeah. every student I jump with to be okay.
0: Dude, I feel you. Everyone should go get their instructor ratings. Go get your instructor ratings. <laughs> it's so much fun.
1: I mean, but it is still really cool. Like to be able yeah. to spend like these once in a lifetime, or like often once in a lifetime opportunities with people is, I think, something that we shouldn't take for granted. <laughs>
0: it's there's a lot of cool stuff, but I think people get overwhelmed sometimes when they have moments like that where they're like, am I really cut out for this? Like I made this mistake. I shouldn't have made this mistake. Like they beat themselves up a little bit.
1: I mean, sometimes it's, there's nothing that you could have done differently. And I think like being okay with that is also very hard that Mm -hmm. like you've done everything that you did. And like, there is still some like the onus of personal responsibility on the student and you can't do everything Mm -hmm. for them.
0: Yeah. When you think about jumping and flying and base jumping and skydiving and all that stuff, when people ask you, you know, why do you skydive and all this stuff, like what's the fav- what's the thing that you constantly come back to? It's your favorite thing about
1: Oh gosh. I mean, I think we've we've talked about it a little bit before, but it really is the community. It's the people. Like I love I love both sports, but if like if it was just a sport, if it was just the activity, like just jumping, like eh, like I could take it or leave it. But It's the people, the people and the friendships that I've met along the way and the things that I've gotten to do with these awesome people that Mm -hmm. make it worthwhile.
0: They're very unique experiences too, you know? Oh, absolutely. Moving on. What's the most significant change in the sport you've seen since you started?
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm curious to know your answer on this one too, but.
0: There's a lot of new things. Like obviously the technology is just like starkly improved in the 15 years or 14 years we've been here. Um, I
1: mean, even just the number, like, the number of tunnels and, like, tunnel, how much more tunnel flying is available compared to what it was when we started.
0: Well, okay, how do we phrase this? The rate of how quickly people get really good, Mm -hmm. you know, has changed drastically. used to take you forever to get to a certain point in your skill set. In terms of,
1: like, actual – in terms of flying – like canopy skills are still the limiting factor because yeah. you've got to jump.
0: Um, but like flying skills, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it is more accessible than ever to increase your your flight skills in a very drastic, short amount of time. Um, people can accelerate so quickly. Okay. I'm going to actually, I'm going to change, I'm going to change that. I'm going to flesh that out a little bit. The rate of how quickly people can get good, you know, has increased, but it is right. directly directly affected by the lack of information or experience that they have in the long-term sense of being a skydiver. Does that make sense? Right? Like, so there are more people these days who have excellent expert level skills, but don't necessarily have all of the information and all the experience that goes along with it. So there's, there's tons and tons of people that are out walking around. Like you can, you can talk about any area of skydiving that you want. You can talk about free flying or belly flying or you know swooping or, or, sure. or whatever but like the accessibility to learn these skills in a really short amount of time but right. not have a ton of opportunity to like put them into practice or see how right. you know what I mean like see how it um affects different things situationally or um,
1: right I mean some of that experience you can only get from like hanging out and being at a drop zone for yeah years
0: yeah, like, well, it's just like exposure, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, because they only put so much time into being at the drop zone or only so many jumps or, or whatever, right? But it's also yep. starting to affect, you know, these new and upcoming um, disciplines like angle and dynamic. And I would say it's less about angle and more about just dynamic flying in the sky because people are just doing like all these different weird transitions and like switches and it's no longer just straight shot angle right. with a couple of right, right, right in there, you know, like <clears throat> everybody and their mother wants to do this very specific type of dynamic flying, but, and while they have the skills that they've learned in the tunnel and they've learned, they've honed, it's quite different when you have such a big arena to play in, in skydiving.
1: Right, well you have to contend with other groups on the airplane like jump run, right. like wind conditions, and if you right. don't
0: have like yeah, that yeah.
1: background knowledge, just the experience yep. of why that's important. That's mm-hmm.
0: a- yeah. You're still missing all the skydiving aspects of it. I would say maybe it's starting to level out a little bit, especially with like camps yeah. being so prevalent, so much more than boogies are these days. Like camp, it's like it's all about camps. It's all about getting better and learning more. And I guess that's technology. You know, the technology technology is right. changing and it's more accessible for everybody to um, right. to get to these days. So
1: like almost uh, every cool. major metropolitan area has a wind tunnel or multiple mm-hmm. whereas yeah. you know when we when we started you we had to go to Denver
0: mm-hmm. or yeah. Eloy right or Utah <laughs> yep yep um that was a lot about me i would love to know what you think
1: <laughs> i mean that's where i was going to go it, in general was just like how t- how a tunnel has changed has mm-hmm. changed the sport I mean, I think social media is also like a fair topic too. Like if you look at not just like our sport specifically, but how it's affected like the population in general and just like what people will do for likes and views on Mm -hmm. YouTube or what people will do for sponsorships or to please sponsors that I don't, I mean, has it made increased awareness for the sport in a, in a positive way? Like in some ways I think yes, but then uh, when you hear about people talking about, I mean, I'm speaking about wingsuit flying or like proximity flying specifically where they're Mm -hmm. like, my fans want to see, they want to see me fly closer. They want to see me do like more extreme things. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that that pressure on athletes is good. (laughs) And I mean, I think you're seeing people who like they get into the sport or they do their jump or whatever to get their profile picture or their, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that was really a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm.
0: We just didn't have the same type of access to it. You know, there just weren't as many people doing it. And now that it's so much easier for everyone and their mother to have like a TikTok account and a, and a Facebook page, <laughs> and a, you know, like, God, this is how out of touch I am <laughs> with social media. Like, <laughs> it just wasn't accessible in the same way it is now. So this is going to kind of double back to something we talked about a little earlier. What is it like being a female instructor in the sport? I know that's kind of a loaded question, you know, but, (laughs) but like, what, what are some of the challenges you faced along the way to being where you are now as an instructor, as a female instructor?
1: Let me think how I want to answer this. I mean, so I, I started my instructor, my instructing career in Dubai in the middle East, which that is, I think a separate set of challenges to being a female instructor um, we had several there. We had several female AFF instructors. There were several female tandem instructors. For the most part, I mean, Dubai was pretty Western, so I didn't. In overall, I didn't experience too many issues. But you know, you occasionally you have students who won't jump with you because you're female and they they can't, or they don't want to, or you have students who are amazing until they fail a level or need to repeat a level, and then. They stop speaking English. They demand to see, uh, like, let me speak to a man. Like, mm-hmm. okay, cool, sure, we've got video. And thankfully, I had very, very supportive management, very supportive coworkers that if I made the call that a student needed to repeat a level, like, they wouldn't question my judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still is pretty frustrating when you're like, hey, so let's watch this together. And like, mm-hmm. you pause it when you like, when you think that you've demonstrated the skill that I've asked you to. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so there's that set of challenges, like being a female working in the Middle East. Um, And then I think just being like one of the only women instructors at like a major drop zone in the States, for example, like you show up and you already know that people are going to like, like all eyes are going to be on you. Like, Oh, can she do it? Is she going to be like, is she capable? Like, is she going to be safe? um Mm -hmm. thankfully I had a I had a really supportive staff but not everyone was like felt the same we'll say um I won't name names but there were people who were like well she needs to do the same work that I do and I'm like no I don't like I deliver a different service than you do like Mm -hmm. I jump with women who don't want to jump with you or can't jump with you for for religious reasons and for you to think that a woman needs to take like I need to take 200 20-pound, 240-pound people all day just because you can. Well, you, one, you don't. And two, like, I will be the first to admit that, like, that would just not be fun for me. Like, mm-hmm. could I do that? Sure. Would it be safe? Probably not at a point. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's no. kind of rough where you feel like you always have to prove yourself.
0: <laughs> I could talk t- about this until I'm blue in the face. <laughs> I've had conversations like this with every female T.I. I've ever met. We've all talked about this. This is common practice for us, like talking amongst ourselves about this kind of stuff. <laughs> In a format like this, it's always nice to kind of just, you know, talk talk about it. And like, this is, this these are common issues that we face, you know, like, I don't want to say every day, but they pop up like somewhat regularly, you know. Um, I think it happens more with the people we work with and not necessarily with the customers that we interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree like we, with that. We, we face it more in the workplace than we do actually doing the work itself. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I've had very few customers who've had issues, at least that I've been made aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my issues have been with a select few coworkers.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> uh, all of the things that you just talked about, I'm like, yeah, I've had that. <laughs> yeah, that's happened to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's all true. It's all real.
1: No, like, honestly, most of my issues have been with with other coworkers who are like, well, like, you're getting to take all the light people. I'm like, yeah, okay, what? Well, how about you take the women who can't jump with you for religious reasons, or should we just skip you in the rotation?
0: Yeah. <laughs> that. I mean, that's also something that happens a lot, too, I think. Um, that happened to me really early on in my tandem career, too, when I was still learning and I was still working my way up, you know? Um, there was one guy in particular that I worked with who hounded me all summer long about that.
1: Oh, God. Maybe, I mean, that would be my problem is I would just be too too direct and be like, yeah, you can just shut the fuck up now.
0: <laughs> I mean, <Bye. laughs> now, nowadays, like way back in the day, I don't think I had the ability or the, the backbone to say that shit. You know, now, <laughs> nowadays it's like, dude, just fucking do you. Like, don't worry about me. Like, it's not your job to worry about me. Okay, it's it is the DZO and the manager's job to worry about me, not yours. Like, just do your fucking right. job. Like, um, what kind of advice do you have for anybody or any women that are looking to get the their ratings in the sport?
1: I think find like find a mentor, like find someone who you look up to, who's doing what you do, and it like not just one, but like multiple. Like get get multiple perspectives, multiple like multiple viewpoints, like diversity of ideas is Mm -hmm. always good um yeah definitely like priority on like fitness uh like diet workout whatever like take care of your body like your shoulders will thank you later Mm -hmm. um yeah if i if i could do it over i would have like done more pre-work for like my neck my shoulders um okay but yeah and then like find find a supportive community like don't let people tell you no you can't do that because of your size like yeah, if you're gonna like you absolutely can. You just need to figure out like what your personal limits are, what you're like, what you're comfortable with, and don't feel like you need to compromise your safety or your passenger safety because other people put pressure on you.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's really good uh, advice. Seeking someone out that you trust, you know, mm-hmm. definitely have one or two people that you really trust and like go to those people for advice or to vent to or to confide in about whatever it is that's going on in your progression. That's a, that's a super good piece of advice.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Be open to (laughs) constructive criticism. I think that's also, you know, if you've found people that you trust that Mm -hmm. support you, like be open to taking, taking their feedback and don't take it personal. They're just trying to make you better.
0: I would, I would also say that like, there's going to be a lot of criticism. It's not just going to be constructive. There's also going to be a lot of people like, like you just talked about who are going to say anything and everything that come to their mind. So be able to listen to it, take it with a grain of salt and move on. You know, don't take it personally, like you said. Okay. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about, um, common questions that we get asked as TIs. <laughs> and I want to hear, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. So we're going to re- restructure this. We're moving on now to kind of a funny little gimmick that I've started doing for these podcasts. This is a, it's a fun little game here. I'm going to ask you questions that were commonly asked as TIs or as tandem instructors. And I want you to tell me what that internal monologue is saying. Because <laughs> I like everybody <laughs> and their mother knows what we say, like when it happens, you know, but I want to know, like, what are the deep, dark thoughts inside your brain? <laughs> when oh, you hear this you... question, like, give me your honest, your honest answer, here, your honest <laughs> response, whatever your honest reaction is. Okay. Okay. First question. Can I bring my GoPro with me?
1: Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had somebody. So uh,
1: I think it was when either I was the student for Luke or Luke was a student for me. And like wh- whoever was a student, we would wear our GoPro. And I remember there's a tandem student sitting next to us in the plane. And they're like, well, where's my GoPro? And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> for whoever your instructor
0: is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, has that um, happened a lot? Have you had that question a lot?
1: I mean, I've had people like bring a GoPro and they're like, "Can you wear this?" And I'm like, "No, man. Like, we're on yeah. a like we're on a call. I'm not gonna swap out my camera setup for you. Like, you yeah. will like no, not, yeah, not, <laughs>
0: nah, <laughs> yeah, it happens. People. Ask yeah, I had
1: uh someone who like put it down their shirt and like try to pull it out <sighs> under canopy and I was like eh, no I had just I, what, oh. <laughs> well it was definitely like a what the fuck like
0: <laughs> I uh man I think I had that happen with a guy's phone like he brought his phone mm. I think that happened just yeah. last summer actually he brought yeah. his phone on a tandem and he pulled it out and I was like where the fuck did you hide that <laughs> How did I not like put that away? And he's like, "Oh, oh, I'm so sorry." I'm like, "No, put it away, bro." He pulled it out and started taking pictures, like the landscape one of other yeah, canopies yeah. in the air. I'm like, "No, put it away! Don't do that!" Like, <laughs> god, <laughs> do it. He snuck yeah. it past me. All right, next question. You ready? It's one of your favorites. I yeah. bet you you got this one a lot. Are you sure you can handle me? Okay. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> Oh god, and it's always like the (laughs) same. I don't want to stereotype, but it's the same type of passenger. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I get paid thirty bucks to do this. Like, I could honestly care less if I jump with you. Like, (laughs) but you know what? The way I feel about it, like, this is like this is your money. You're spending Mm -hmm. like two to whatever four hundred dollars on this once of a lifetime experience. Like, if you don't want to jump with me, like, I don't fucking want to jump with you either. Yeah go jump, go jump with the dude.
0: One of my favorite refusals that I think I've ever had was this, she's a tiny old lady. She was shorter than I was. Like at the time I was like five, three and like 150 pounds. Maybe this little old lady, she may, she must've been like five feet tall. She's in her sixties maybe. And she was, she, um, I introduced myself. I was like, hi, my name is Sam. I'm gonna take you on your skydive. And she like put her hand on my shoulder and was like, really <laughs> I was like okay like I'm gonna drop this I'm gonna go find the next instructor I like walked out I uh, went and got uh Ray um Ray was another TI at that year and I, I, I brought him in I was like this is Ray I taught him how to skydive he's gonna take you on your jump yeah, I ended yeah, up filming yeah. her husband and she was on the plane like saying I'm so sorry like I didn't mean to make I'm like no it's your money you do you like it's your money. It's your experience.
1: <laughs> yeah. See, cause I used to sell it that like, Oh, you know, there's like less combined weight under the canopy. We'll have a nicer, softer yeah. opening because we do. Yeah. If we like mess up the landing and you don't want to pick your legs up instead of having like the 200 pound dude surf you on your mm-hmm. belly, you just have me. And, and then I stopped carrying and I'm like, you know what? Whatever.
0: Yeah. All right. Next question. What if I get sick? What if I throw up?
1: Ugh. <laughs> you're like please don't
0: do it in your like, shirt <laughs> yeah
1: but they never do i mean yeah. okay so <clears throat> i mean <laughs> full disclosure i've only gotten puked on once but like it uh, yeah no that's Lucky. There's...
0: wow that's lucky Holy yeah smokes. i know
1: right i mean sometimes they puked after i've like disconnected them after we off yeah. after we've landed but like only once in the air and like the feel of the body retching is one of the most mm. awful sensations <laughs> that when, like, when people say that like they're going to sympathetically puke, I'm like, I totally get it now because yes. <laughs>
0: um, I just got puked out in the face this last oh. summer. The dude projectile vomited out in front of me, like with no warning, like he didn't do the the typical retching thing. Oh, you know? uh, And he like. He didn't like you you couldn't feel it like there was no warning he just did it. Um but he projectiles vomited straight out in front of him and then it all came back and hit me right in the face. And so Did you uh, have your
1: visor open?
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. It was inside my helmet. It was the grossest shit I've ever done. <laughs> Thank God my mouth was closed at the time cuz it happened oh and I was my like God. what the fuck? Like I literally <laughs> like, like literally said it out loud. I was like, oh.
1: Oh, that, like, that just ruined <laughs> your day.
0: Uh, the sympathetic puking thing. Like, I got it under control up top, mm. you know, and I was like, uh, uh, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, nope, it's fine. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Just don't talk. <laughs> Tell me if you're going to be sick again, okay? And I went to go shut my visor in case it happened, but it was all on the inside of the visor. So I was like, no, <laughs> open, open. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> and then uh um on final I was doing my pattern you know and I was turning in for final I was doing a left-handed pattern and um I pulled the left toggle down and I started to gag so I had to turn to the right and I was like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh yeah all right next question (laughs) what if I get sucked out of the plane
1: I mean, honestly, like, I'd pay to see that because, like, tell me how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but, Like, am I going with you? Or are we doing a tandem? Like, I'm just curious now. Like, so many questions. I mean, isn't that yeah. kind of the point? <laughs> yeah,
0: right? Just get, just get, poop right out of the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, why don't I get a helmet?
1: Oh, you know, actually, do I get that question?
0: My immediate response is always like, "You didn't, you didn't check that box in the waiver. Like, did you want to? <laughs> You didn't pay extra. <laughs> too late for, too late now. We're on the plane. It's,
1: you know? oh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but I've got your goggles.
0: <laughs> we'll ask the next question. Where are my goggles? Where are my goggles? Oh my god!
1: Yeah, I've got them. I don't give them to you because I have to. Like, they're mine, and I have to pay for them. And like, mm. I don't want you to run away with them. Mm. Under canopy. Like, I will just take them off. And I'm like, and I will take these back now because I'll disconnect you when we <laughs> land and you'll run away. And they're expensive. They're, like, 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. I love it when, like, so some drop zones, you have them clipped to the, mm-hmm. to the thing. And, like, they yeah. won't even unclip them from the thing. They'll, like, stretch Those... them over their shoulder. I'm <laughs> like, oh, wow. That's some dedication. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why are they so uncomfortable? That's a good question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Weird.
0: <laughs> Why are they fogging up?
1: Yeah. A day yep, in the life.
0: Yep. Uh, would you rather do an AFF jump or a tandem jump
1: AFF. I mean it's more fun and I think generally like the people like they're there they want to learn and it's not mm-hmm. just a I mean don't get me wrong like tandem is fun for a different reason but sometimes you feel like an amusement park operator it's I love teaching students who genuinely like I'm here because I love this and I want to learn and I want to progress
0: yeah. yep would you rather take a short stocky passenger or a tall skinny passenger?
1: Ooh, for tandem or AFF? Yeah, for tandem. Tandem. Ooh. Short and stocky.
0: Oh yeah, everyday, right? Mhm. Yeah. It will we always go peanut it'll always go peanut butter side down.
1: Always. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: I agree with you, it's great. Yeah. Um for tandem canopies, do you prefer an Icarus tandem or a Sigma?
1: Ooh, Icarus.
0: Yeah. Why?
1: Mhm. I mean, I've done most most of my tandem jumps have been on Icarus. Mm -hmm. I, like, the Sigma does have a better flare, but it's just a beast to fly. And, like, if I have to do multiple, like, all day, every day, like, the Icarus is just nicer to fly. Mm -hmm. And, like, once you have the flare, once you have your flare technique down, it's
0: fine. Do you prefer, generally, do you prefer PD or Icarus or, uh, Icarus canopies, just for your own, your own flying, PD or Icarus?
1: Man, that's a good question. I've I've flown both, but like they've been both very different canopies, so I can't say that I've compared like similar wings on either. Like I jumped a Crossfire for a bit, and then I'm on a Velo now. But I don't know. I'm indifferent, I guess.
0: Okay.
1: I don't have a that's strong fair. opinion. <laughs>
0: that's fair. Would you rather be puked or peed on?
1: Oh. <laughs> what?
0: I've asked every Ti that's been on this so far that question. And there is a, uh, there's a commonality amongst all of them. <laughs> I'm
1: oh, curious to see where
0: you fall on the spectrum. Puked so up?
1: so the way I'm approaching this is like, if like, if either activity happens, like how much of it is getting on me? Like, am I going to get more <laughs> puke on me if they puke? Or if they pee, is most of it going to be on them? And I think most of the pee is going to be on them and minimal yeah. will be on me. So I'd rather have them pee because they're yeah. going to piss on themselves. Yeah. Mostly.
0: P sterile too. That's my attitude about it. It's like pee is sterile, so Mm, that's true. You don't, you know. It's just when you think about it, it's like not as bad, you know. Stomach bile on me,
1: like and just like bile on me or dynamics of like how we're in like hanging under the under the canopy. Mm -hmm. I think like very minimal like effect on me should they decide to pee.
0: It'll be on your pants and not your hands and your face. So if that. Like, i mean if it gets on if it gets on your hands and your face like you're doing something seriously wrong yeah so. <laughs> yeah
1: i'd have some questions
0: <laughs> okay. you tandems how i don't get it how did that happen <laughs> yeah all right <clears throat> that's pretty much all i have for Kristen cotton today um thank you so much for being on this thank you for indulging me in another of my weirdo fucking weird projects (laughs) thank you so much I appreciate you um if you'd ever be down to it I'd love to have you back for like a group um like girl instructor discussion kind of stuff to maybe elaborate a little bit more on you know how we do things in the sport and you know things that we really love and things that maybe we struggle with a little bit so it would be really cool to have you on there
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: How many female TIs do you know, really quick? Like, I'm trying to think of like how many of them. I don't really have a number. It's definitely double double hands these days. We're both counting on our fingers right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm it's up to six.
0: It's definitely in the twenties, I think, for me. Like, who else yeah, are... it
1: would be like
0: me. You. I don't. I don't know if
1: I could name more than twenty that I know personally. Like
0: people that I've met that have done it. You know, like I don't know that mm-hmm. I would count people who I've never met before but I've seen like online but like maybe 20 or 30 yeah I think the most that I've
1: worked with was probably that one day where it was like you me Angie
0: Casey and
1: Casey at Skydive Paris
0: that's the most I think I've ever had on one drop zone at at one time was four Mm -hmm. for that one day that's pretty cool actually you should find that photo again all right. Thank you so much, Kristen. I really appreciate you being on the on the show. I appreciate you indulging me. I really... Thank you. So appreciative. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully we'll have you back sometime soon for a roundtable discussion with some other girls, some other female TIs or female instructors. That'd be really cool. cool. Um, with that being said, that's all we got for this episode of Fall Risk. Tune in next time for more talk about anything and everything skydiving. Blue skies, folks. I'll see you later. Thank okay.
1: you. I don't know why we just (laughs) waved.